Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. Welcome to The Sale Ring. All right. Well, okay. Yeah, turn that, that quite real fast. <laughs> turn that music down. I <laughs> Feel like a DJ up here. I know. Well, it's good to see you again. It's good to be back in the studio. Yes, sir. And uh, we have a great show. Mm -hmm. So this one we've been prepping for a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk with a couple of guys that have just listed um, a well-known, a premier ranch out in Colorado. But more importantly. They're seasoned uh, ranch brokers, uh -huh. uh, Mr. Jay Hubble and Mr. Lauren Williams, and we have them uh, joining us uh, in the studio. Guys, are you hooked up? Are you out there? Oh, we're here. We are. Glad can to be you, on with you. Can you hear us? Are you out there? Can you hear us? Uh, hello. <laughs> hello. Well, hello. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have an interesting show today um, for me. In particular, because I, I love the ranch industry. I, you know, I, I love uh, cattle and, and horses and, and vacant land. And what more beautiful place could you be um, operating than, than Colorado? Yeah. You know, some of the most beautiful property in the United States is out there. So you, uh, you guys have, uh, you have a wonderful lifestyle. We're envious. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, there's a lot of cool terrain, a lot of cool ranches out here in Colorado. Absolutely. Tell, uh, if you would, we'll start with Jake Hubble. Uh, Jake, okay. tell us a little bit about where you're from, um, where you're, you kind of where you grew up, what you're familiar with, and a little bit about yourself real quick. Sure. I'll just, uh, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Um, I'm kind of one of the younger brokers in the United country, I'd say. And uh, I, I'm 27 years old, live in Hotchkiss, Colorado, kind of the Western Slope. So we're surrounded by some other United country offices as well. Uh, I grew up, my dad was an outfitter and Lauren is a current ad outfitter. So that's kind of how he fits in the, the whole puzzle piece of what my dad's been doing for business. But my dad's been in the industry since I think 2008. And so I actually went to college for a business and professional land and resource management degree. But when I graduated, there's no oil and gas jobs. So I got my real estate license and I've been doing ranches and real estate since 2017. So here we are about five and a half, six years later. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride and, you know, definitely an opportunity for me to, uh, to follow and, and learn from a mentor, my father, and then, you know, kind of take out and start doing business on my own a little bit too. I want to mention something else. So you, you mentioned your age or being a younger broker. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the ALC designation real quick, because I read something not too long ago where you're maybe one of the youngest, if not the youngest, ALC designees. So talk just a little bit about what ALC is. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're part of the Realtors Land Institute, which is a, a big organization of land brokers. It's, it's a subset of NAR. But it's uh, it's basically for land brokers across the country. And we have, you know, a pretty good following with I, I forget how many total attendees that typically at the national conference and members. But um, they have a designation called the accredited land consultant. And from what I understand, I think it's like one hundred and forty five. Don't quote me on that. But one hundred and forty something classroom hours of just, you know, land investment analysis, transitional land um, and recreational land and, and, you know, a number of different classes. I think there's, you know, six core total classes you have to take, and then you have to prove to them, you know, $10 million in land sales and provide a narrative and then get, uh, two letters of recommendation to wow. get the ALC. Yeah. 
situation. Yeah, so it's no joke. A, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's strenuous the yeah. requirements, and it's even that much more difficult for somebody that is younger or new to the industry yeah, to get the recommendations um, and all that just alone on top of having the listing like and to have that sales and, yeah. requirement mm-hmm. for sure. So you know, kudos yeah. to you for doing that. That it speaks well that um, at any age, I mean, you're younger getting in the industry, you're very serious about it. And this is a preeminent designation, too. If you're going to be in the ranch industry or the land industry, they're giving you the tools. And uh, listen to me. I'm talking like I know all about I know. it. But is, I am familiar with the advertising a, section right here. I am, I am familiar with ALC. And, and they're giving you um, heightened level of experience and tools and expertise to better serve those clients. So when younger people take hold of that, I mean, generally, those are seasoned brokers that are going through that course. Uh, that have been doing this for a number of years. So I, you know, my, my hat's off to you because I, I think that uh, I, it speaks well that you've made a career choice and you're all in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, you know, for us, it's, I, I guess for me, it's something to hopefully even the odds a little bit when, uh, when you go to the listing appointment table, when you're competing, because out here in Colorado, we got a lot of good competition between the different ranch brokerages out here. So, you know, it kind of helps you hopefully even the even the playing field when you got peach fuzz on your face still so <laughs> yeah yeah well it sounds like um you know just uh, shave that off they'll never know right mm-hmm. lauren yep, let's can't grow beard lauren let's talk about you a little bit mr lauren williams uh, broker associate with colorado brokers and auctioneers um with united country so tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. Uh, well, I'm a fifth-generation Colorado native. Um, grew up in the northwest corner of the state outside Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Kind of bounced around the state, went to high school out in the northeast corner, and then back on the western slope for college. And uh, after I came out of the military, just made it my home. But I, uh, I come from a long line of ag family, uh, cattle, hay producers, and and hunting background, as Jake mentioned, I have been a professional guide and outfitter for, oh, going on almost 20 years. And I am currently um, also an outfitter. And it uh, fits in well with what we do here. And that's how Gary Hubble and I had actually first met. And I kind of got into the land game. And that was uh, looking at various properties and outfitting businesses and such with him. And it kind of seemed like a natural uh, fit for, for me to get involved <laughs> with it there i live in uh loma colorado which is just outside of grand junction there now with my family and uh we have a small hay farm there and so we're always going always busy but uh yeah colorado's uh been in my blood and in my family's blood for a lot of years and uh we go back a long ways and we are lucky to be here yeah. hey, lauren you should uh you should tell Sean that story about when you said, you know, I think this is my last day not being a realtor <laughs> when you were out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So previously, um, well, and actually still to this day, I have a, a oil and gas service company and was uh, working in the oil fields at the time. And, and uh, on top of being an outfitter, and like I said, I'd been kind of all over the place looking at things with Gary and he says, boy, with your background and experience and that you would, you would make a heck of a land broker what do you think? And I said, well, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know if I want to get involved with something like that. I originally didn't know that this side of, uh, of uh, real estate existed. I kind of thought everybody, you know, got dressed in the morning and showed houses around town mm-hmm. and there weren't really like dedicated ranch brokers and hunting property brokers and such. But uh, Gary had offered the opportunity to me a few times. I'd turned it down and 
Oh, I was spending a few days on a job in beautiful Rock Springs, Wyoming. And I don't know if you've ever been there in the wintertime, but it was roughly 30 below and <laughs> wet and miserable and probably some of the worst three days of my life. And uh, That sounds I pleasant. In, yeah. yeah, I jumped in the pickup heading home and Gary just happened to call me to check in. And I said, hey, does that offer still stand? Because <laughs> I think I just did my last uh, oil and gas job out here. This was... Uh, I'm tired of it. I couldn't feel my fingers. I was uh, wet and tired and headed for home and, and decided that a, uh, a life uh, heading this direction might be a little bit better career choice. <laughs> well, good for you. We're glad you did. You know, we have some similarities there. I actually own an oil and gas marketing company. I co-own it with my brother and it, uh, it's everything you, it's as wonderful as you just painted it. You know, it's <laughs> now sometimes it can be very lucrative, you know, it's, it's, it's a boom and a bust, um, scenario or, or, uh, industry, obviously things happen and then they don't happen for a while, but, uh, when they're happening, they can happen in a big way. So it's, it's not all bad. The other thing that it's done, and uh, I think I can speak to this for Lauren too, is it gives you insight about another element of the land business mm -hmm. that a lot of brokers are not as informed about. Sure. Uh, my, my brother painted this one time in, in a, a conversation. We were given a presentation actually to the Colorado RLI chapter years ago. <laughs> and he, he said, uh, you know, let me tell you where it's been most beneficial. We, are, we list a lot more land farms and ranches because of our oil and gas business. We'll come in and talk about the minerals and uh, the severing mineral rights and what the value of those may be. And we're having conversations that other brokers are not having with them, which is a key point of differentiation. It's a reason to go to work uh, for this, this broker. So Lauren, I, I think it's, you know, your experience there obviously is going to be advantageous in the conversation that may not actually be about selling oil and gas minerals, but it's just your knowledge of that. It, it heightens the, the seller's experience with you. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, it, it gives you experience one and mineral rights, asset valuation and such, as you say, you know, if we're trying, uh, there's, there was heavy oil and gas development on the Western slope of Colorado and now mostly on the Eastern plains of Colorado, but you know, we're showing a property and perhaps it's got a wellhead on an oil and gas and a potential buyer wants to know, Hey, how does that affect me? What's going on with that? What's the access? Is there royalties? Is there things of that nature? And, you know, it also gave me a chance. And as you probably know, Sean, um, you know, most of the drilling operations and that don't take place in the middle of the city. And, you know, I've, I've been on just about every back road and country road in, uh, you know, the Western U.S. and particularly Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah and those areas. And when something pops up, I say, hey, I know that spot. You know, I drove past there for, you know, six months while doing a job and, and that. And it does, uh, it does kind of open you up to a broader skill set and uh, gives you one more, one more arrow in your quiver when you're, uh, when you're talking to landowners and potential buyers. Yeah. And one thing that I think is kind of interesting on that, all that too, Lauren, like you're saying is, you know, with all these properties you've been on, like, let's you know, kind of talk about, you know, that area northwest of Rifle. It's kind of interesting how a lot of that land is owned by these big, you know, mineral companies. Mm -hmm. And you've been out there on these big ranches and, and we just sold, you know, that, that 1500 acres out there, the Barnard Ranch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, for them, it's more of a strategic mineral rights play. But for you as a, as a, as a land ranch broker, it's like <laughs> that's beautiful hunting properties up there. And yeah. so for them, you know, it's 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 interesting to see the two different dynamics of ownership as far as what the uh, – 
what the the positives are for owning that property, but it's a good exit play now with the mineral rights companies where we can market those, you know, for recreational hunting ranches and, you know, you knowing them so well, it's just, it's kind of funny that for them, all they care about is the minerals and they're doing their wells and everything up there. But at sometime in the future, they're all, those are all going to be big, big hunting ranches that are going to be sold. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, that's well stated because a lot of those operation companies, when they come in and, and they've got the infrastructure in place, um, you know, they, they've drilled, the pump jacks are there, the lease roads, they've kind of done all of the uh, surface elements that they're going to do. It's mm-hmm. It can be a pain dealing with the surface owner, but if you are the surface owner as an EMP company, and, uh, you know, once you're done with that, now you can offset the acquisition cost by divesting of that surface, leaving your leases in place, and it uh, mm-hmm. you, you guys have some wonderful insight into how all of that works. You are you know, you've got to be less than 5% of the brokers in, in that part of the country that have that, that depth of knowledge that allows you to talk intelligently to companies mm-hmm. like that about what the divestiture could look like and, and how it can raise capital for them. Sure. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's the thing I find funny too, is, you know, it's, it's a small world and <laughs> Lauren could probably speak to that because, you know, everybody knows everybody up there and it's yeah. just, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things in this. Well, guys, let's talk a little bit about um, the ranch industry, you know, on, on the macro. So ranch sales and, and uh, mm-hmm. how have you seen it, especially in your area? How have you seen ranches, large, small ranches, you know, just whatever the, the common ranches out there? How's that transitioned over the years? And what I mean by that is um, you, you go back and I know that Lauren may have looked at these for a longer period of time than Jake has, but each of you will have a perspective on this. What, how do you see the ranch industry in your part of the country transitioning? Sure. Lauren, you want to, you want to tackle this first? Cause I, I definitely know my answer, but uh, <laughs> I feel like I'll let you jump in real, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for one, Colorado, oh, particularly over the last 20 years, but uh, more importantly, probably the last decade or so, you know, we've become one of those destinations for a lot of people um, in what we call the Great Migration and and, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody moving from different parts of the country and transitioning through. So we've had a very large influx of, uh, of people moving into the state. Uh, that's, that's really put an upward pressure on land prices and such, you know, me growing up, um, around the cattle industry, uh, you know, if we went to look at a piece of property, it was probably, you know, what's the carrying capacity of cows, um, how much hay production, what kind of, what kind of grasses are involved, you know, how many tons per acre in feed in that, uh, do we apply to it? And you would you would value um, an asset or a property in that sense and look at it. Well, cattle ranchers in Colorado aren't really buying cattle ranches anymore. It just doesn't pencil. Um, you know, you can the, the land price has been has been pushed up there so much that you know we're seeing a lot of our folks that are within the ag industry that are moving out to neighboring states or maybe less incorporated counties that aren't quite as popular with the, with the new folks moving in. So it's, um, it's changed that price per acre and it's put it to where we're we're now probably more marketing these properties towards recreational land investment opportunities uh, for buyers um, development and such to where, you know, if you're making $600 on a cow at the end of the year and you can only run 400, 
cattle on several thousand acres. Well, that several thousand acres is going to be in the multi-millions, if not tens of millions of dollars. And so for uh, for an agricultural and business sense, a lot of times that just doesn't. Yeah, you're going to need a sharp. You're going to need a sharper pencil for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's ironic. I have a listing currently, and uh, whenever somebody calls me about it, it's an excellent cattle operation that I tell them this may be the only one that we have on the books and the only one I've seen for several years that actually does pencil as a cattle ranch. Other than that, everybody will tell you it does. Yes, you can do this. You can run so many, you can have a commercial operation within the ag industry, but you know, unless you've got uh, a residual income coming off of something else, uh, it just doesn't work that way, which is one thing that's led to more, with the popularity of hunting, um, particularly here out west, just about everybody wants to come out and chase big mule deer and elk mm-hmm. and that. And we're finding that our, our both our buyers and sellers are needing to offset the cost of the of the property with that with that extra income that could come in off of that. And we're looking for ways to diversify how you use the land uh, instead of strictly for an agricultural purpose uh, at this point. And, you know, when we look at things, we look at proximity to areas, you know, where we're looking at for development. It's led us into more conservation easements, uh, you know, whether that's good or bad, whether they're encumbered or unencumbered, depending on what your person is looking for. So it's uh, it's just kind of one of those things that's really changed over the last couple of decades. And that's just what happens when you uh, live in a place that uh, a lot of other people want to make their home. Sure, yeah. sure. Lauren, is it yeah. is it fair to say, and, and for both you guys, that um, it, maybe there's an educational um, element to when you're first talking to people, they know what they've utilized a ranch for its primary purpose for maybe the last 50 years or a hundred years. In some cases, families have used, this is a cattle ranch Mm -hmm. or it's a horse ranch or it's something specific. We educate them a lot of times. Yes, but what else can it do or what could it be? And, And sometimes highest and best use I find is not readily apparent to the current owner because they, they get kind of dug into what they just get up and do every day. And pretty soon 50 years goes by and that's, that's all you've really viewed your ranch as. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's, that's been a big transition for us here, here lately. Um, you know, we've got the, the oldest generation in the United States that is kind of hitting that point. You know, the baby boomers are, uh, you know, maybe that's what they've done their entire lives. Maybe that's what the property has been used for, for a hundred years and what they've always known. And maybe they didn't think about branching out into something else, or maybe they just didn't want to, you know, I mean, the agricultural lifestyle is a fantastic way to live and to raise families and, and make a living off of, but, you know, at some point you do have to diversify. You do have to look at the future and that, that is something that we do, that we do help with, you know, maybe somebody is really opposed to allowing, uh, you know, trophy hunting on a property or possibly they have excellent mineral rights and, you know, they don't want to see, you know, a development go on on the property or they don't want to, uh, you know, think about it. And, you know, this property has been the family, you know, generations, maybe we don't want to look at it as a potential development, but when we're counseling them on the highest and best use, that is things that we do, uh, discuss with them and that we do show the options for and having that experience and kind of knowing what those, what those, uh, potential incomes could be or what you could, what you could gain from that is, uh, is something that we, that we need to counsel all of our, 
all of our clients, both on the buyer and seller side for. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I know throughout the Midwest, uh, water rights are a huge issue oh slash draw slash problem right now. Uh, what, what is that looking like for you guys right now? Water rights. Do I get to say it or do you get to say it, Lauren? The, the you guys can is... fight. It's fine. We'll let you. <laughs> well, that, that's all. I'll throw the line out since you said the word fight. That's I don't know why. I don't know why it is, but Trina's questions always garner more attention than mine. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, out here in the West, uh, we do have a saying that uh, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting. <laughs> oh, um, well, there we go. I like that it. That is hilarious. And, and, and I've never you know, heard that in my life. So I just played right no, into that one, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, no, you uh, you set that up well for us. So it is, you know, most of the Rocky Mountain West is, you know, as green as we are, that mostly comes from snowpack and snowfall. And, uh, you know, we do have our rivers. We don't have the abundance of lakes and reservoirs and such that maybe you have in the Midwest or in the South. We don't have humidity in the air out here, given natural irrigation to certain things. Um, water rights can give you anywhere from a 10 to a 50 times, uh, valuation. We can have wow. land out here that is not, that is fairly arid and doesn't have water rights. It may go for a thousand dollars an acre. You start looking at things that do have water. You're probably going to instantly jump to dang near, uh, $10,000 an acre. So, and water is becoming more and more scarce. Um, in fact, the entire reason Colorado is a state and the shape that the state is, is all due to water and the fact that we have the continental divide here and, you know, that that gives your watersheds, whether east or west and where they go. The water from Colorado goes to 18 states and supplies 80 to 90 million people mm-hmm. in the west that simply comes out of our state here. So, Water is extremely important uh, to most everything that we do. And it's usually one of the first questions that we get from almost anybody on any piece of property is what is the water situation? What are the water rights? Um, you know, it's a very complex system. Uh, you you have to deal with separate ditch companies, different county rules, different. I mean, there could be a dozen different uh, water user organizations just simply within one county or within one municipality and knowing how they structure those water rights you know whether they're a deeded water right that's tied to the land whether that's a share whether you know how much is an acre foot how much can you use that water for what kind of production can you get out of that and that's something that us as uh as land brokers and involved as a land professional is that we have to be really educated on. And we probably spend a good majority of our time when we're researching a property, uh, a good majority of our time is spent on the water assets of that property and how that impacts uh, both the value and, and the use of the land. Jake, we'd like to ask you, so your family, uh, I know, irrigates uh, some land. You have water rights yourself. Talk about two things. Talk about that just a little bit, the importance of the ownership of that, the value of it to the land, and also the ALC designation that we talked about. It sounds like this is an ALC podcast, but we're, I'm a big proponent of it. Is that something that they taught as you were going through that designation? Do they talk about water rights out there? 
Well, I'll hit on the ALC thing first. Um, you know, actually, no, the water rights varies so differently between uh, uh, different states. So actually with Colorado, we have like kind of like breakout, you know, when we ever, whenever we do our continuing education, sometimes we'll have uh, Kendall Bergmeister, who's a water attorney at Gunnison, in Colorado. He'll like do a class for us or at the National Land Conference, he did a class talking about, you know, Western, Western water and, you know, the, the rights in Colorado. I think uh, on the ALC designation, they don't have necessarily a water rights specific course just because it's yeah. It's going to be completely different in Colorado than Kentucky or something like sure. that. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And so they no so they address Colorado. that more with breakout sessions than is the core curriculum for right. the ALC. Yeah, the, the core curriculum is a little bit more focused on land and you know the the metrics on that versus uh, you know specific water rights for certain regions. So, and I think they handle it well, having you know good guys like Kendall come in and, and discuss water rights and then doing that with us. So, um, okay. But yeah, uh, kind of like you were saying too about the, the irrigation and all that. Lauren hit on it pretty well too. Um, kind of the the prevailing theme in Colorado, I guess, I guess in Western Colorado where we are, is we have lots of mountains, and in turn, people have made lots of mountain reservoirs to hold the snowpack storage of the water that melts throughout the year, yeah. and then they slowly disperse that water from these reservoirs throughout the summer seasons. And depending on how big the reservoir is, how big the mountain is, or the snowpack that they typically get per year, you might have more water, you might have less water, and so basically the size of the reservoir dictates how much land below it has been irrigated. There's different shares that are proportional. There's different ditch companies. There's so many different moving pieces. I mean, there's not one specific water law that or water area to kind of, you could apply to the entire area out here. I mean, for instance, my dad's ranch, he's part of Crawford reservoir. And uh, I guess one share covers one total acre of water in one foot deep of water. Right. And then where I live over here in, in Hopskis, which is 10 miles away, I'm off of the, the Fire Mountain Canal, and you, it takes 30 shares from their their water system to irrigate one acre. So oh, there's wow. totally different amounts. There's totally different uh, proportions of water that come out of these different systems and how they allocate it. So it can be really complex, honestly. And, you know, on one of the last deals I just did, it was, you know, 70 acres of mountain ground north of Carbondale. And I think there's six total different ditches that come from six different reservoirs that all kind of converge on this 70 acres. And I had to, you know, at that point, I, my client, he, and he knew it too. I had a pretty, pretty savvy client, but he just engaged Kendall Bergmeister out of Gunnison. He's not a cheap water attorney, but he's worth his weight in gold. And so, you know, when you're dealing with properties like that, where you've got such a complex different usage and apportionment of water it's you know a lot of the times you you, you really want to have the legal counsel on your side because like, like i mean as you heard of lauren we have a pretty good knowledge of water rights but sometimes it gets way too complex to where even i don't want to handle it you know and you want to come in with it and have that professional representation because you know at the end of the day we we want to take care of the client and make sure we're not giving them the wrong advice right yeah yeah very good well that expertise, I mean, it, just what you said, you know, a county away or a little distance away, how one share and, and what, the, um, what the volume of water that you're allowed, and then you go, you know, just no farther than you are away from your dad's ranch, and it takes 30 shares to get the same equivalent. So that, mm-hmm. that much disparity between the, uh, the way that they calculate um, the usage on water and, and what's allowable – your expertise in that's got to be uh, invaluable. I don't live in Colorado, and I've heard, you know, how complicated that can be when you're selling or offering water rights, and do you own them? You know, what proportionate share do you own, and, and do they, you know, are there any restrictions or covenants on those? I mean, it gets it gets really complex in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you really want to dive into it, there's areas where, 
the the water is deeded to the land. It can never be separated because, you know, it's a big issue now where there are certain people and groups that come into Colorado. And if you can buy water rights and separate them from the land and then push them down river and lease it to California and other places like that, and they dry up the surface of state yeah. here, you know, there's, there's people that do that. So some water companies in some areas have you know made it to where it's deeded to the ground. You can't separate that water right off. So if you're ever doing a subdivision or something like that, like you're taking, you know, let's say 40 acres of square, you know, uh, kind of mountain, but, you know, cropland that has water rights pertinent to it. And if you're going to divide it into, you know, eight, five acre little uh, ranchettes, those each of those five or eight ranchettes is going to have water rights that goes with it, too. So you can have a home site on it, but you're going to keep the water rights and you're going to use them. Yeah. And sometimes the water is more valuable than the land itself. As mm-hmm. Jake had mentioned, there's been some some uh, companies in recent years that come in and do what we call buy and dry and they'll buy the property simply for the water rights and sell those water rights on down downstream to another user. Uh, the front range of Colorado, for example, uh, you can buy good irrigated farm ground out there for around $10,000 an acre, but the water rights are worth roughly, well, about a year ago at the most recent trade that I'd looked at, they were trading for around $85,000 per acre foot. Hmm. So an acre foot of water that comes with that property is worth 80,000 when the land itself is worth 10,000 an acre. So you've got almost an eight times uh, an eight X there on the actual water versus the acreage price. So it's, it's a, it's a very important and very complex system uh, that that can lead you down some rabbit holes sometimes, but uh, the more that we learn about it, always the better. And this kind of goes back to the ALC uh, designation. It's there. I think there's roughly around 50,000 licensed agents in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, I think it's just under 40. I think there's only about 37 brokers that are actually have an ALC designation. So mm-hmm. that is one way to really set yourself apart um, from those other folks and let your clients know that you have a higher higher degree of understanding of this. Um, you know, some of us grew up with it. Some of us have learned it through education or a combination of all of that. But it, 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 it we could probably do an entire podcast, Episode, yeah. entire yeah. series <laughs> of podcasts on just, just on ALC. water. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yes. For sure, that's uh, it's a huge topic, and um, yeah, and as you said, there's just there's so much um, volumes of knowledge and understanding about it. Um, it sounds like from county to county, you know, from area to area, it changes dramatically. That was interesting what Jake just said because I I can't imagine that uh, him and his dad they live that far apart, and that's uh, the the unit of measurements dramatically different for what uh, a share equals. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to understand that, um, you know, we have a listing here as well, and they have a number one senior water right. And as I was talking to a neighboring property, a neighboring ranch that a client was looking at that was also for sale, they said, well, they have the number one uh, senior water right. So I dug into that a little bit more. Well, turns out, yes, they have the number one water right on their ditch, on their canal, but that canal is the number eight ditch in priority. <laughs> wow. So, you know, you can really you can really get turned around. And you also got to make sure that you're marketing that properly because you don't want to get yourself or your seller or your buyer in trouble by telling mm-hmm. them that, hey, yes, you have a number one senior water right when really you don't um, or that you do. And maybe you think that you don't. 
Absolutely. Guys, we're going to slip away and we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick. But as we come back, I want to talk about a large ranch that you recently listed um, and uh, and really kind of dive into that because um, I, I think it, uh, one, it's a beautiful ranch. It's notable. But two, uh, we'd like to figure out the complexities of, of finding and listing those kind of ranches. And then we'll talk about how to market them. So mm-hmm. more after the commercials. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with... uh Jake Hubble and Lauren Williams were talking about ranch brokerage in Colorado, and uh, these guys um, are giving us a wealth of information right now. But what I'd like to switch over and talk about is um, a recent ranch that you guys listed called the Porter Ranch. I believe I'm saying that correctly, Porter Ranch. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit and uh, kind of give us an overview first, and then I'm going to back up and talk to you about how um, how did you kind of target this what the presentation looked like and, and uh, things. But tell us what the Porter Ranch is to get this started. Sure. I guess, uh, Lauren, I can, I can talk about the ranch itself. And then if you want to talk about how you, you know, heard about it and got kind of foot in the door with getting, trying to compete for listing and all that and how the time frame's been. So um, mm-hmm. that works for you. Sure. Yeah. Give them, give them all the, give them all the details. <laughs> all right. Give us the skinny well, uh, on it, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try to give you the skinny on a, a pretty complex ranch. Um, well, so yeah, in Colorado, there's not a whole lot of big properties left over for, you know, a lot of the time, you know, people, they, they patented branches and, and, you know, got them from the federal government, either with the, the Homestead Act or the Stock Raising Homestead Act. And, you know, since then, Properties have probably changed hands multiple times. And, uh, you know, what we have here with the Porter Ranch is this is actually a fifth generation Colorado ranch where the Porters came over and settled on this ranch and patented it with the, you know, the United States to develop this ranch 
And, you know, they've owned this for five different generations so far. And so this is, you know, the reason this thing is so big in its, its continuity is, you know, they've never really sold anything off. And so the the total ranch encompasses 3,526 acres here in Colorado. And, wow. you know, you'll find some other larger ranches up in the mountains and other areas like that. But typically down in kind of the river bottom areas and closer to, you know, different routes like I-70 and, uh, you know, stuff like that, most properties of any good size have probably been sold chunked up and, and you know even subdivided if they're a big property down to you know 35 acre tracks or something of the sort but uh so it's kind of rare for us to have you know something like the poor ranch right along the i-70 corridor here yeah. in colorado I, mean, I think it's like 50 miles down the road from aspen and something very similar like that to, to Vale. so being in those markets if this is in a kind of a higher market as far as price per acre for land real estate and that kind of stuff over there it's definitely like we were talking about earlier not one of those spots where you go buy land and you try to be a farmer and try to make it work with what the real estate prices are so um but yeah overall this is a really cool property it's got 3,526 deeded acres of that 3,500 acres 885 approximately are irrigated so in Colorado, I mean, that's kind of a big deal being a mountain ranch with water pushed to it. And that water comes out of a water right from Alkali Creek. And the, the owners of the Porter Ranch in the early 2000s, they actually came over to Crawford and Bill Porter saw Crawford having all these center pivots and, you know, this kind of cool method of irrigation. And he was still out there pushing ditches across this, uh, this mountain, you know, expanse of 800 acres or so. Mm -hmm. And he said, holy cow, I want to get that put in place. So what he actually did was, he diverted the uh, the diversion of the, the water right from kind of in the bottom area of his ranch, and he went upstream miles and then ran a canal to the top part of their ranch there, and they built a massive reservoir called the Porter Reservoir, and that encompasses about 20 total surface acres, and it holds 1,175 total acre feet of water. So their whole water right from the creek comes in way high up above, you know, in elevation above the property, runs down through a canal, gets stored in their own reservoir right there on the ranch. And then from there they piped it and then they've run four center pivots and then multiple other different spigots for running pressurized water on the ranch. So it's honestly one of the most unique properties I've seen because in, in, you know, in most places in Colorado, you'd see these mountain reservoirs, you know, up in the BLM or in the national forest. And then people are, you know, running canals and stuff down to their ranches. And they, you know, then from there, they try to put it in a pressurized system like center pivots or ditches or gated pipe or whatnot. But this ranch literally owns it all itself and it encompasses all of it. So it's really, I mean, truly unique as far as from a development perspective, you've got a water right that the ranch owns itself. It's in the reservoir and you can use it however you want to, which gives it lots of flexibility because like we said earlier, you know, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. <laughs> Most of the time you wouldn't be able to take an irrigation right like this and be able to push it towards either, you know, a domestic water company or something like that because you don't necessarily actually own the water right. There could be a, a, a secondary user downstream that's waiting for your tail water. Yeah. So in this circumstance, you're allowed to do that. And, you know, the ranch is, it's been raised for five generations by the family. They've been raising hay, running cattle on it and using it for outfitting. But at this time they're, uh, you know, looking to sell it. So kind of, uh, from there, I guess I'll get to Lauren as far as how we, uh, we heard about the deal and what's been going on since. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the images while you're talking, we have the, uh, the website brought up, which by the way, we'll put a link to the website in the show notes for all the listeners. We'll make it easy for you to find this property. I'm sure that there's utility value of how the water is actually used, but aesthetically, 
this reservoir is beautiful setting up there in the mountains and it's i mean it's got a very clear defined dam on it and it's just it's a nice boxy reservoir it just looks beautiful setting up on top of the hills mm-hmm. it's gorgeous yeah, it is. If it was mine, I'd probably have me a nice little cabin and fish camp set yeah. right up there. Right the next to it, it. yeah. And I'd, I'd probably be spending a lot of time up there with the, with the kids. And I know the family has over generations, spent a lot of time uh, doing got, that similarly. So. Guys, can I back up for a second? Just for clarity, for somebody that, that maybe doesn't understand this or doesn't know it, Jake, you said something earlier about ranches of of similar size at one time being carved up so in this area is it safe to to believe that there were three thousand four thousand acre ranches around this area at one time uh Mm -hmm. but those have been sold or traded and carved up and and they've diminished in value they've been separated in value over time so the reason this is is such a, a showcase or an anomaly out there is that um, this one has been in the same family for five generations, and it's still kind of in its entirety from when it took its U.S. patent. Yeah, well, and, and I'd say too, you know, a lot of the the ranches, I guess, to the west and you know, north and along the I seventy corridor, there, you know, obviously back in the day, there's fewer people, fewer ranchers, and bigger ranches out there, and you needed more land to be able to get it done. So, yeah, that's kind of been the, I mean, you said it kind of perfectly. It's been held on by this family this this entire time, and kept in its entirety and you know you will see other big large ranches in certain areas around it and stuff but you know this one being located kind of where it is close to the river bottom you know close to i-70 the fact that it's still in its entirety like this is pretty darn rare yeah yeah so lauren tell us just a little bit about um your the relationship here and how you how you found this or targeted it and kind of lead us into uh, what led to the listing uh sure well (laughs) It wasn't, uh, this has probably been what Jake, probably a two or three year process. Um, and here, this was not a, uh, overnight success. We didn't send out a postcard and got a call and threw it on the market. Um, this was something that we've been, that we had to cultivate for quite a while. Uh, probably started a little over two years ago, maybe three. Um, Gary Hubble and I had sold a excellent property just right up the road from this uh, that uh, had a beautiful lodge on it and some private property, but came with a very successful long established outfitting business. And um, we'd sold that. We'd done an excellent job for our sellers. Um, One of the principals in that sale was a family member uh, of this, of this ranch. Uh, They really liked what we did then. They, uh, they were thinking about listing this Porter ranch, the family ranch, and we're kind of shopping it to some brokerages. And after the work that we did, that we did with them on that other property, they, uh, they gave us the opportunity and it also came about, I'd also known another family member that had some association with it. And they'd kind of given me a heads up that the, that the family was possibly thinking about, uh, selling the property. So I was able to secure us a, uh, a chance to pitch for it and present our, uh, our marketing for it. We were, we were in competition with several other local brokerages and we've got some really great, um, land professionals in our area. So it is pretty competitive. Um, at the time we did not get the listing. That was about two years ago. Um, they'd, they'd given it to a, another land professional in the area and they'd had the listing for a while. We 
you know, just through seeing them at, you know, different auctions and horse sales and just being out and about and within the community and, and, uh, Jake has a relationship with the family as well as us. And we just kind of stayed in contact with them. And as it was, uh, coming up for, uh, for renewal here, uh, this last spring and summer, we, we just kind of let it be known that we'd like to throw our hat in the ring when that, when that time came. And, uh, they did, I think at the, the original time that we pitched for it a couple of years ago, we didn't, we didn't quite have the, uh, the experience that we do now. Um, you guys have probably followed and seen what, what Jake in particular has been doing the last couple of years and he has just been killing it and he has been getting incredible listings and getting them sold, uh, working really hard on behalf of his buyers and, and, uh, getting things done. Uh, he is just a rock star when it comes to our marketing. Um, he talks about being 27 years old as a disadvantage in this game, but <laughs> you know, he's the one that is most familiar with the technology. You know, yeah. he's the one that's been dealing with social media most of his life. You know, he understands TikTok. He understands things. I mean, I've got to call the guy and, hey, uh, Jake, how do I, you know, add a photo of this onto a flyer? You know, come on. I feel like I'm it probably feels like he's trying to teach his grandpa yeah, how to use an <laughs> iPad half the time when we're talking to him. But um, as you know, his success with that led to us uh, getting the Genesis Award to United Country this yeah. last year, which is a very big deal. Um, the top, uh, marketing brokerage within the company. And so he's, uh, he's starting to get the recognition that he deserves for that now. But, um, we were in a much better position this time going in, um, with the competition. We had, uh, beat out a lot of local and national brokerages for it, but I think our, our personal relationship with the family, our knowledge of the area and the fact that we really stayed on it and kept up with it. Uh, gave us a leg up uh, this go around, and we were we were very humbled and excited when uh, when the family chose us. They they're a you know it's kind of a complex group. You've got a lot of you know kids and grandkids and cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody involved, and so getting everybody together on the same page for that uh, can be difficult. And we try to take as much pressure off the family as we could by organizing everybody together as well as we could. And, uh, when we got the chance to present for it, uh, we did well and, um, we were able to secure the listing. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, the Porter ranch is a beautiful ranch here. The photography, uh, we've watched the video. We've looked at the map. You, you guys are doing a great job of presenting it to the marketplace. And we got a few minutes left here in the show. What I'd like to kind of wrap up with is tell us, you know, from a marketing strategy, um, you know, some of the, I guess, considerations, some, um, you know, ways that you market a $15 million ranch. And uh, where, where do you think the buyer on something like this may come from? Well, you know, with the ranch being located where it is, there's, <laughs> there's honestly a couple different strategies that we probably execute on this ranch. And, uh, you know, I have, I, I mean, I have my marketing plan put together to, you know, pursue basically two or three different buyer profiles. And, you know, right now there's the, you'll, you'll see the, the possible off chance of there being, you know, some big cattle operation where some guy might sell a big feedlot or he could, you know, be wanting to move his operations to Colorado for family reasons. You know, Colorado is a little bit more expensive of a market to, 
run and raise cattle on, but there could be that buyer that comes out and looks at this from the agricultural perspective and sees the, uh, the, the benefits of the water, the irrigation, the land, the hay production and the location. And they might, they might want to buy this for the agricultural component. So we we're, we're definitely targeting and marketing towards that type of buyer. Let's call that profile. A Um, we'll call this the second kind of profile will be probably a recreational or hunting buyer that's looking for either a large tax write-off maybe looking to take a 1031 and do a buy and hold land investment, but also, you know, with the hunting capabilities on this property, I mean, we all know that there's people out there that pay a lot of money for hunting. And if there's somebody who's, you know, selling a commercial property and they want a 1031 and do a a buy and hold land investment kind of strategy and use the ranch for the next 10 years for hunting purposes or, you know, recreation on the property, there is that buyer out there that's going to be a high net worth guy and he could be in that field looking for hunting properties. Um, and kind of the last last profile that you know I I guess I've identified would be looking at the uh, the land developer kind of a person. So where we are, you know, and with this ranch being in the proximity to the Vale and the Aspen markets, yeah. you know, I'm just saying down in you know Newcastle, the town which is seven miles from the ranch right here, the exit right off of I-70 that shares the same exit to get on you know I-70 with this ranch. You can't find a, a three-bed, two-bath house on a quarter acre for less than $750,000. So I, for, it's probably crazy numbers for most people out there, but that's just how the markets are. And as you go up Valley towards Glenwood, it's it's getting more expensive. And then you get to Carbondale, and for any kind of decent home that you know most of the people would live in, in in different areas of the country for, let's say, $500,000 – they're, and yeah, they're, they're a little bit more custom, but you're looking at two to three million dollar homes in the Carbondale, Vale, and then Aspen area. Obviously, gets way more expensive. So we do see this being as an opportunity for a developer, especially with the water rights on the property and how they can be utilized. We could see this property being, you know, turned into some kind of large either golf course or kind of a shared amenities ranch development or just developed into, you know, whatever would work best on the property for housing. So it's kind of a a, you know, a multi-pronged fork on how we're going to be pursuing the marketing on this property. And and I've worked with uh, Sophia with Enhanced Marketing Solutions with United Country to kind of put together a portfolio for how we're going to pursue those different strategies of marketing this property. So, yeah, I feel like we're, uh, we, we're pretty well taken care of. You know, that's a great. So so let's uh, let's talk about that for a second. Three different profiles. Mm-hmm. You've got a replacement ag user, cow calf operation, hay production. You have a hunter recreational usage, uh, and then possibly commercial usage. And with that, um, all three of those profiles, are you creating different marketing materials that would attract each of them, or is it kind of a combination of all three of those in one, um, like marketing? If I picked up a brochure, I saw an email blast, or I saw something, you know, on third-party websites, are are you kind of rebranding that material to cater to those individual audiences, or are you trying to encompass all of them in one? Uh, I'd say A and B as far as the, the ag producer and then the recreational hunting buyer. Those will kind of be similar as far as their marketing aspects. Um, as far as the commercial uh, or let's say development aspect, I'll be, you know, we market that differently to different people. And so, um, you know, there's associations around us like the Western Colorado Contractors Association, and then we can get on, you know, AccuData and kind of pull up different people who are land developers in Western Colorado and, you know, really the the Western U.S. that could be looking at this property. So there will be different I guess, styles of marketing approach towards each because obviously the land developer doesn't really give a rat's butt about, you know, how many cattle you could run on this property. He's more interested in 
you know, what, how big is the county road going to the property? What's the electrical to the property? You know, what's the water rights? How could you use that for a water company and that kind of stuff? So, yeah, we're, de- we're definitely going to have two, two or three different ways of marketing this. But for the overall listing, we have a really good, you know, exposure with United Country and UC Ranch properties and the different um, sites that we advertise on. I mean, you know, from our our home website, we spread out to United Country and its its whole network of websites, as well as we market on, you know, land.com, Landwatch, um, Landflip, Ranchflip, Landbroker, MLS, and, you know, the whole plethora of the different sites that really any buyer looking for land is going to be on. So we have a good placement there. But then, you know, I kind of tell everybody, this is not just a, a set it and wait kind of yeah, listing. You yeah. know, I don't want to sit here and, and wait for the, the buyer to find my listing. I want the guy in, you know, Dallas, Texas, who's you know looking for that hunting ranch or a possible buy and hold investment strategy i want him to get my flyer in the mail and i want him to you know get my sponsored facebook ad or you know this is going to be more of a proactive approach to be because i sold properties to people before where they they tell me yeah i I wasn't in the market i wasn't really looking for this but you know and then i saw it and i just had to have it so we're looking for the guy that doesn't know he needs to have this ranch just yet yeah so i don't want to you know well i do want to put you guys on the spot i'm going to ask you a question real quick um, out of those three, and I, I agree, Jake, you know, the, uh, the the farmer rancher, the hunting recreational, I think those two buyer profiles kind of sometimes, uh, maybe even oftentimes, they tend to um, parallel each other. The mm-hmm. developer, um, you know, the, the buy and hold, and they'll utilize those strategies of, of allowing hunting and recreational use or farming. It offsets the acquisition cost. It creates some revenue streams while they're holding the property. Um, to kind of take the burden uh, off of that, you know, of, of taxes and holding costs and things in the interim period till they're ready to develop it and they get all their ducks in a row. Here's the question for you, though. <clears throat> Given $15 million plus price tag proximity to urban markets out in that area, you know, wherever it's located, what is, if you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage of chance do you believe that that's could be a commercial developer that purchases the property. Is that fifty percent chance, seventy percent chance? What what's your what are your what's your gut tell? And then I'll, we'll ask Lauren the same thing. Sure. Um, you know, I've already shown the ranch four times since we officially got it listed last Thursday. Oh, good so, for you, man. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we've I've already met a couple different buyer profiles. I say it's probably fifty fifty. Um there's going to be, you know, those those clients that come look at this and they want to have a recreational Colorado legacy kind of family recreational ranch and for them build a nice custom home on it, enjoy the property, have somebody else lease it and do the whole ag production on it while they get to recreate, hunt on it and enjoy the property. But I do have other buyers currently right now. There's other people that want to take the property and turn it into some kind of a development is all I'll say. So uh, I'd say, you know, it's about 50-50. Lauren, what do you yeah. think? Um, I'm going to be pretty close to what Jake says. I do think that uh, it's going to be a little bit heavier on the development side of it, uh, mostly due to the the large acreage of it, the price tag and the assets that are involved with it, you know, between the water assets, uh, the utilities, utility availability, the proximity to I-70. And that market that we're in with it close to Glenwood Springs, Aspen Vale, you know that's a very expensive. That's a uh, that's a kind of a vacation market as well. So probably highest and best use does lend itself more uh, more for development. Um, you know, as we've already covered, just having it as a 
as a recreational property or just as a commercial ranching property, you know, you're going to have to be a high net worth individual to, uh, to be able to absorb those costs in and have it just as a, you know, as a piece of personal property. Um, but with this size of acreage that we have and really the topography of the land lends itself well to that as well. Um, you know, not a lot of big jagged peaks and such. There's a lot of valleys, rolling hills, lots of really good home sites. It could really be laid out very well from a developer standpoint. Um, you know, and that's a struggle that we have with us kind of being, you know, Colorado natives. And then we, we, you know, we hate to see a lot of these big historic uh, legacy ranches kind of go that way. But in the end, our job is to work for our client and what gets them the highest and best use and what gets them to the goal that they that they want financially for it. And that, that is probably going to lend itself to the, uh, to the development buyer more than anything. Uh, it's, it's one of those as well, you know, we've all kind of seen what's going on with inflation and markets and the stock markets and such here lately to where land is still an incredible investment and yeah. it's an appreciable asset that uh, that somebody that has the money that maybe doesn't want to be losing 10% to inflation when they could be making 10% appreciation on the property every year instead. And as we discussed, buy and hold or possibly waiting until, you know, it's 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 the right time to go in and do a, do a plan development there. You know, they're making money on that asset in the meantime. And it's not just something that's sitting there losing them, losing them money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of it, a lot of this we, you can apply the cap rate analysis to a lot of these. And this is something they teach you with the ALC designation, but you look at like the internal rate of return on most of these ranches. And that's the best way to kind of analyze what your investment strategy is going to be on that property for moving through the time periods forward. Cause you know, on a, on a lot of these ranches, Sean, you don't see a good cap rate on buying a, a recreational Colorado ranch, running cattle on it and doing the outfitting. I mean, at the end of the day, you might be looking at, you know, 1%, 1.5% cap rate versus the acquisition cost on the property. And, you know, if you're, if you're a money guy and you're looking at it as far as the investment strategy, it doesn't make sense. But if you're looking at it for the kind of recreational play or a buy and hold where you're taking into the, into account the property appreciation and value year over year, you use that internal rate of return analysis and that's where some of these investments actually do make sense. And yeah, they're not going to be as prolific as some other more aggressive, aggressive, uh, you know, scenarios you could pursue, but you get to use the property. You get to have a very cool lifestyle getting to be on the property and recreate it and hunt it and do all that stuff. And then, you know, five, 10 years from now, you could sell a property and actually make some decent money with it. Right. And it does fall into one of the opportunity zone areas as well, being a rural Colorado uh, area. So this is one of those um, where you could realize an excellent tax benefit uh, because it does fall within one of the opportunity zones. Oh, that's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guys, yeah, this is great, great insight. It's a wonderful ranch, the Porter Ranch. And once again, for all the listeners, we're going to have this up uh, on, uh, on the Sale Ring podcast site. We'll have a link where you can click on it and it'll take you directly into this ranch. But check it out. Uh, a, a legacy ranch being offered for sale right now by two wonderful brokers. And guys, um, we want to thank you for your expertise. I think this has been a very enlightening podcast show. I know Trina and I both enjoy having you guys uh, with us today in the studio here and talking about ranch brokerage, not just in Colorado, but across the country. If you have large tracts of land, there's nuggets in this show out there that will help you become better listers and better sellers. And it, it, I think it was a very uh, good podcast show today. So yeah. thank you. 
Yes. Yeah, really. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of uh, The Sale Ring. We'll look forward to seeing you next time inside The Sale Ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.